Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Therapy Tales podcast. This one is titled On the Couch with Dawn and Jess and we've just been to a sound check experiment thing. So I'm sitting miles away and Jess is sitting right close to it. Um, an inch from the microphone and Dawn is about a metre because apparently my voice is not picked up very well on this technology. No, but mine is picked up fine from all the way over here. So You should be speaking to codes, Dawn. Well, I do. And I should be sitting behind a computer. I should be acting, darling, because I obviously clearly project my voice in such a way. <laughs> I've missed my calling. <laughs> Although my accents aren't very good, so I think I'd be a very rubbish actor. So we're on the couch, but couches are not good. We don't do couches. So there are a lot of uh, bites happening from dogs being on the couch next to their owners. Uh, we've been in in Dundee we've had quite a few bites from dogs recently and it all seemed to be on the couch or the dogs jumped off the couch and there's a problem with the couch yeah couches are bad couches you know bad. if dogs are biting people on the couch if we're going to do like proper scientific research based analysis and we're going to eliminate all the variables the thing that's consistent here is the couch and the answer isn't to leave the couch for the dog I mean, that, that is the answer sometimes. Well, well, if the couch is a problem, though, you know, you can't let the couch win. <laughs> you can't let the couch win. You can't let the couch win because just avoiding it, leaving the dog on the couch is letting the couch win, and that would be... That's terrible. Where's that going to leave you? Because then nobody's allowed to sit on the couch except the dog. So it's the couch. We need to do something about the couch. So couches are banned. Couches are banned. We're going to ban couches from now on have no couch in your house well you can but under exceptional circumstances you can license your couch and get some sort of label you'll have to sew on it to show that you have a licensed couch maybe pay an annual fee to continually use your couch in your home in such a risky way and, and would that license come with some instructions about um, how to use the appropriate couch? use of the couch appropriate use of the couch which would include you know you just can't randomly let anybody use the couch and uh, maybe the certain times of day that it's appropriate to use the couch and maybe you should also include a cover on the couch just in case there's fallout from when the dog does bite on the couch so the couch is ruined by the fallout. Plastic covers. Yeah, some sort of plastic covers to protect the couch. Just in case. Yeah, or protect something else from the couch. Yeah, we should do that. Okay, that, so that if, um, if a dog's growling on the couch there yes. are different methods that no one can agree on what's the best thing to do. Yes. And one of those methods is to leave the couch and the dog on the couch. Well, and that will solve the problem of risk of getting bitten or attacked by the dog. If you're not on the couch, when the dog tells you to get the fuck off the couch, yes. then you will definitely not be bitten by the dog on the couch in that instance. Yes. Now, if at any point, however, you happen to be feeling safe enough to be on the couch with said dog, and you just put your hand down casually to reach something, and caught the back of the dog who was lying on its couch then you can't be held responsible like it's not the dog's fault because it knows that the couch is its space and if you happen to touch it when it didn't want to then you'll accept the consequences right yeah um because the dog's not going to be tolerating not getting its own way no because you've taught it that 
it has the couch is its dominion and it's okay and then when you, it tells you to leave the couch and you listen it goes so do you that think works. some of the problem is that it's okay sometimes but other times the humans change their mind so they, they allow the dog to think a certain way for a long time and then suddenly the owner changes its mind and says well actually I want to touch you when you're on the couch mm. and the dog says no no that's not the rules yeah I think um, again people dogs don't learn what we think we're teaching so we're not being very consistent when we say it's your couch, it's your couch, and then suddenly we want to touch you on your couch. And yet we expect our dog to be consistent. So one of the things I think all of us have problems with is unpredictability. I think one of the hardest people to be around is somebody who's unpredictable. And um, very often we hear from dog owners that the dog has been unpredictable in responding certain ways. And I think the interesting thing is what we're saying when we say unpredictable is they're not following the patterns we expect. We're not actually saying they're being unpredictable, they're just, we're just saying they don't fit our filter, right? Yeah, we do hear that a lot, unpredictability. It came out of the blue is the biggest kind of thing, you know? And yeah. So I'll have a conversation with somebody that goes like this. I'm sitting on the couch with the dog, and the dog launched up and bit me. So there's no reason for it, it just did that. And I'll then say, okay... And, and that this is a bite where it's led to, you know, hospitalisation or um, the very least drawing blood. Yeah. And then when I ask some questions, they'll say, well, yeah, yeah, um, it has girls before, but this was different. Yes. And then when I ask more questions, they'll say, oh, yeah, we, we can't create it because it growls at us, so we don't create it. And we don't have its own bed. It gets to choose where it wants to. And we can't touch it sometimes when it's in its own bed. And I love the word sometimes. So, um, you know, when I'm talking to people, so one of the things that we're trying to teach the trainers that work with us to do is to be less um, emotional in their interpretation. Because we interpret, we're, we're very human, we're all interpreting, our dog thinks this, our dog feels this. So if you say, what's going on with your dog right now, you will always get the first answer, which is the dog is feeling anxious, the dog is worried what other people are, well, dog's worried about that dog, and you're like, okay, yeah. I didn't ask you what the dog's thinking and feeling, because we do the same with people, that person's feeling this way because I asked you what you're seeing. And so if we change our language to, I have seen evidence of, so I used to, I used to do... It's so much harder to do the observation part. It is, right? So I used to do um, audits, I used to go into call centres and I used to do top to bottom business assessments and we would spend the first part of the week interviewing people, watching them do their job and seeing whether what they said they're supposed to do matched. So you'd ask somebody how long you're supposed to take on your calls and what happens if you take too long. And then you'd ask their manager, if somebody takes too long on their calls, what action do you take? And then you'd see if it matches up. But maybe Dawn is pretty rubbish as a manager and she doesn't know the answer. So we wouldn't stick with that. We'd go and look at some other manager and some other person on the phones. And then when we reported back to the bigwigs at the end of the week, we'd say, we saw evidence of this being told to us and this was the result and it gets you in a way of thinking that goes okay let's just step back from what I'm thinking I'm seeing and actually look at what's in front of me so when we're talking about um, is my dog reacting is my dog does my dog do this well most of the time they don't they're mostly fine okay hang on a second mostly means sometimes they're not so under what situations are they not and you, you kind of it's like a funnel you're kind of going okay here's my general picture 
And now let, let's just narrow it down. Have you seen examples of, in which situations do you see examples of, what's true in the circumstance and the behaviour? So instead of seeing, judging the dog, judging the human, let's think about the situation that they're in and let's think about the behaviour we're seeing and see how that changes. Oh, we're considering the behaviour, we considered the learned behaviour as well. So yes. it's not just a case of, um, and everybody wants the, the, the quick fix. Everyone wants the, what do I do when? And the answer is always going to be, it depends, because it depends on what's happened before, it depends on what the dog's learned, it depends on how the dog's been treated and the environment it's in. So if it comes into my house and attempts to go on the couch, my dogs are likely going to say, no, you don't get any height status in this house. That's yep. not how it works. You've got to earn your keep here before you get to just come in and, and do that. Um, and I've got so many hours of footage of, of dogs being um, just naturally behaving. So the, the great one that we had that's coming to mind, I need to put this on, on his hounds. Remember the residential we did with the young uh, Toby, the Vizsla? Uh, the first one. <laughs> Saying the Beasley doesn't narrow it down at <laughs> all, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was the youngest one. I think he was yeah. 10 months or something. And um, I took him home just for one night. And it was late at night as well when we finished. It was like half nine or something. I took him home. So literally, he'd been walked. I, I was tidying the house a little bit and then let him into the house. My dogs were in already. And he came into the hall and he kind of stood there for a few minutes sniffing and going, well, this is new. What's going on here? And then he walked into the living room and all my dogs looked at him. And Tristan, and he came in with his head high, but his tail was low. So I, I, for me, um, looking at him, it didn't look particularly dominant or like he was giving any signals out that he was thinking it was his house. Yep. But his head was high, so right. it must have been. Um, so he walked in kind of with, with trepidation. Tristan got off the couch and his tail was high and it was bristled like a um, basil brush, right? Yep. It was like, I was like, wow, okay, he did not like that. What, what did he just see that I didn't? Yep. And he kind of stalked him with his eyes and this uh, young Toby's coming into the room. I've got all this on video. And uh, for whatever reason, when he came forward, Tristan nose punched him to right. say, this is my house, just chill out. And then he came away from him as if to kind of go, well, I've done that now. And immediately, like within half a second, Toby went, I'm going to piss. And he lifted his leg against a blanket right next to where he was. Um, and he's putting his scent there. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's marking to say, and immediately Tristan and I both threw it in to go, don't you dare do that in this house. <laughs> um, and I've seen Tristan um, go through and tell off. He actually told off legs the other day for, for going onto the kitchen unit. She, she put her paws on the kitchen unit. I was defrosting something. And he came in and, and just moved her. <laughs> and like really gently, but yeah. he just you know came in fast and quick with his, with his nose and just pushed her off. Um, and he'll often do that. He'll be like, no, no, this is not the rules here. You know, it's amazing. And then I'll have several of them on the couch, and we'll talk about that in a minute, um, next to me. And a newbie will walk by, and the several of them will go forward and stare and be like, don't you dare even think about coming to this couch. This is our... Um, and that's really confusing for people to hear, right? So to couch or not to couch. Yep. Why is Jess's dog allowed on the couch? So if we go back to the first thing that we're talking about, is there's several methods as to what to do if your dog's growling you on the couch. So yep. number one, leave the couch, right? This is the favourite of force-free and avoidance techniques. Move away from do not challenge the dog. Yep. And that's smart because if you've got a dog that's an adult who is um, very well versed in aggressive response or he hasn't quite yet got to the point but if challenge you don't know what you're doing, 
And most people don't, right? In the old days, it wouldn't even be a question. It would just be, what the hell are you doing, growing at me? Get out of my house. Yeah. Um, but now it's um, an We don't dog. expect dogs to go for humans. Well, it's a Disney dog, right? Yes, so why would it ever growl or bite a person? Yeah. So the growling is that we've upset the dog somehow. Yes. And we don't want to upset the dog, so we no. just move out of his face. Um, and that's fine. Except you've just taught the dog something. So everything we do gives feedback to the dog. And cost. they are... Um, they're not that clever. No matter how bright you think your dog is, they are programmable machines. And if you ever doubt this... All you have to do is um, go into the kitchen, open the fridge, and give your dog some food straight away from the fridge, right? I can guarantee that your dog, next time you go to the fridge, will appear next to you at the fridge, right? (laughs) If you ever have any doubt, you've not given it any instructions or anything else, you've just taught it that in the fridge is food that it might sometimes get. And now it will chance it. It will try and get that food from the fridge, right? And if you were to give the dog a bit of food every single time, and one time you didn't... Then it'd be like, what the hell? It would be some what, what the hell? Yeah, right, because I expected you to give me food from the fridge. That would be your positive uh, reinforcement fallout, where the dog would be upset, stressed, potentially even aggressive, because you're not doing the thing you used to do. Yes. And when you don't move off the couch, because you have always moved you off the couch by growling, the one time you challenge him... What's he gonna do? Some dogs might back down and go, "Oh, okay, sorry." But mostly they'll go, "Oh, you've not listened to my girl." They become very insistent, right? I mean, we we nearly broke Toosie doing that. Right? We had Toosie at our house when she was a puppy for a very short space of time, and my husband likes to earn the favour of animals by feeding them. That he's a feeder. <laughs> this is the way he does it. So as soon as she was in our house, having just come from a walk with you or whatever, my husband's like, "We'll give her some food." So he went to the fridge, he got some ham, and he gave Toosie some ham. And Toosie went, cool, I like that place, I like this, uh, I'll have some more. Give some more, give some more. And then she was at the fridge door, and she was pawing at it, trying to get in the fridge door to get some more ham. And that's it. That's it, straight away, you know? And so, Nothing to do with love. No, nothing to do with love, nothing to do with... It's not even bad behaviour, it's just natural. So they're programmable machines. And so, but, you know, we wouldn't have said we are teaching Toosie to go to the fridge to get food we, we, that's not what we were teaching we were teaching Toosie to love my husband because he gave us some food like, that's in his mind what was happening none of that was happening dogs just got an association so associations that are then scuppered results thank you um, <laughs> results in a response in the same way as if you're a kid you know one of the things Somebody's clearing the table by putting the tray on the end of our table and putting all the pots from all the other tables into it. It's bright. Um, Completely ignoring the fact there's a giant microphone. <laughs> We're using our giant microphone. It's just like they're not on the planet. It's so funny. Um, yeah. So um, one of the things that, that quite ha- happens in um, families that are separated, so where one of the parents has left, you might have arranged for a parent to come visit a kid, right? The parent might arrange to come pick the kid up and take him for a day out. But very often what happens is the parents got their own new life, they've got all their own stuff going on and they don't turn up. And you have this situation where the kid's sitting at the window waiting for a parent to come. And that is such an intense disappointment and it's a really hard thing to deal with for a child brain that doesn't understand why and makes it about them. So you might get disappointment or you might get 
you might get rage. You might. So then, you, very often, you would get behavioural problems, right? You get behavioural problems that come from things like that because something's felt out of your control. So you're now going to try and control things. And in a kid, it can be, it can be shouting, it can be throwing things, it can be kicking and breaking things, it can be all that sort of stuff. But in a dog, it's teeth. <laughs> you know, teeth growling. It's it's aggression in a dog. It's very different to aggression in a kid. But it comes from the same place. It can come from the same kind of disappointment, being scuppered, being frustration. frustration yeah. yeah. So um, the other way to handle it then, well, there's several methods of what to do. So let's go back to the scenario with dogs growling on the couch. Okay. So the opposite method would be to punish the dog. Okay. So um, punishment. So the dog growls, and the human way is to point the finger and probably yell at the dog because telling is the way that the human feels it's done something. So punishment happens after the event. Yeah. And actually, you could say that leaving the couch is also punishment because you're taking yourself away from the dog. Well, no, because it's not punishment to the dog. So punishment is uh, correcting the dog for its behaviour in this context, right? It's saying to the dog, no, that is not okay. Don't do that. Leaving the couch is not punishment. It's well, going, okay, you can carry on doing so that, buddy. scientifically speaking, punishment is something that decreases behaviour. But punishment is a funny word to use because it's not the same thing in society. Like, I wouldn't yeah. say that... You know, and we're talking like Starbucks talk rather than scientific, scientific talk. talk. I do think that that should be updated, the word. And I don't believe um, Skinner has any place in modern dog training. Learn it and forget it. So if we're using punishment from your perspective, then it's a something that happens afterwards that makes us feel like we've told the dog to stop doing a thing or child and they should respect that means that is the word. However, to a dog, that's confusing because you're not changing the thought process of um, or you're not even considering what's happened in the past of learned behaviour. So that dog has had a history of being reinforced for, for doing something. It's inadvertently we've told him that he is in charge, or the decision maker at least. It's probably a better way of putting it. Uh, yes. So there's a few different levels. So firstly, as humans, we assume punishment is corrective and educational. Right? It is sending you. a clear message that when you do this behaviour there are you shouldn't do this behavior basically so when you do this behavior i will react badly because and i want you to learn from that that you shouldn't do this behavior now it requires a number of things firstly it requires the individual to know what behavior it was that has caused the reaction do you think there's a level of emotional content there so i remember people saying to me um my dog growled at me and i felt bad because i'd made it upset yeah there's a level of um when i yell at you or correct you for for doing something i'm making you upset and therefore you should not do that thing again uh, no, it's I don't like think it's that way. Transfer. No, I don't think it is that way. But I do think it is um, often regarded as a failure by a person to have reacted by telling a child or a dog off. And, yes, we do um, get a lot of, I apologise for shouting. <coughs> and we expect that because we've reacted in this way and it was so very serious to do this, that the child or dog would then avoid that same response in the future so um, they would do anything to make sure that that never happens again so that relies on um, assuming that the brain of the individual 
understands consequences. So they have made the connection. I did this. As a result, I got this from you. And as a result, you expect me to change my behavior. It's very distracting. Jess has an amazing blanket coat. And the weather is pretty dire just now. And um, Jess has been sitting in Starbucks with her blanket coat, which happens to have a hood on the top. And, and constantly um, readjusts the blanket coat. Well, I'm also thinking this dog's behind us making noise, so I'm thinking this might be a way of like... It won't. We tested it. We did our experiments with noise before. This is just you you playing with your um, blanket coat. Also, which, at least I haven't spoken about aliens. Boat. Time. It's a boat. It's a blanket coat. Um, <laughs> so, we have this um, cause and effect prediction. I did this in response to you doing this, and therefore you will now do this differently. Yes. Right? So that requires the, the dog or child to understand what it was that they did that caused the reaction. That's the first flaw in the plan. They do not understand what they did because they do not understand consequences at the same level of us. If a dog's barking or growling, that's a really natural thing for a dog to do to express itself. So to be told off for it is confusing. Yes. It, Depending on how long it happens after it's done the thing, so let's assume it's growled a little bit, it's made a few warning noises, and then it's kind of just gone, no, absolutely not. And the, the speed of your response, the gap between your response and the behavior, is also going to affect whether it remembers what it actually did at the cause of the response. Another factor is going to be the status quo of the relationship. The status quo of the relationship, whether you're respected for your opinion on what I'm doing. And then that's going to be one incident that is not going to do anything to the programming. So whereas we can program negatively really easily, I can program Toosie to go to the fridge by showing her once that there's ham in the fridge. I can't easily... That happened one time. One time. Um, I can't easily <laughs> program her again not to go to the fridge just because by the been because the behaviors like re creating a positive reinforcement is really quick creating uh, kind of countering that takes reason, lots of repetition reason, as we discussed previously is the pathway has been created and it's once you've built something it's very hard to unbuild it so what you do is you create something new to drown out the old thing, right? That's your first step is repeat, create new behavior. Once it exists, it can't not exist. You can't um, avoid and have the absence of something. Your brain doesn't learn by absence, it learns by presence. Which so. is why I'm so adamant that we get it right with puppies, because if you're... <laughs> Can you stop messing with the hood on If you... Um... Willow, take the hood off the coat. <laughs> do something. If you... Um... <clears throat> yes, why we important we get it right with puppies. Yeah, you're programming that puppy brain. So it's not just a case of... I actually wrote today on, on someone's... Um, one of the breed specific groups on Facebook. There's so many these dogs given up that I happen to have. Um, and Happen to have? Go oh, look, there's another dog just appeared in my house. How did that happen? No, I mean breed that I have. Um, and, you know, they're not the easiest of breeds, but everyone wants them because they're super smart and athletic. However... The, um, I guess which one I'm speaking about. <laughs> Super smart and athletic. So that takes up oh, the Oh, I'll be the Beasler. <laughs> the Beasler. <laughs> um, and when it goes wrong, I'm hearing, and luckily there's not, not a lot of them in Scotland, but you know, there's a few that I've been getting phone calls about. The statement is always, it needs somebody experienced. It just needs somebody experienced. And I wish people would think about that before they get the puppy. If you're yep. not experienced, why are you messing with the puppy? Because you can't undo the stuff that you've... It takes a heck of a lot of energy to undo the stuff that you're teaching or not teaching because the puppy's still learning even though you're not teaching or got nothing to teach it. And that's, that's the thing, right? What are they learning? 
how do we control the learning? How do we direct the learning? And we don't, right? Because we go... <laughs> I'm trying to think what you look like at the moment. It's just like this like pyramid thing with a little face popping out the middle of it. It's just really distracting. Was it not a game that was based on just a blanket and then like we kind of went through... Probably. Sounds like there would be a game for something like that. Is this what we're doing? We're playing the game? What are you no, trying to... No, we're not. Okay. I'm just trying to distract you and see if... Um, <laughs> it works. Your ADHD I can get... brain... I can get distracted. My ADHD brain says when? <laughs> You're as much ADHD Says the pinball machine. <laughs> so, back to the couch. <laughs> it's the couch. So, um, one incidence of something does not a pathway create, does not teach them what you think you're teaching them, but it can interrupt the behavior. And then depending on the nature of your dog, its innate nature, is it going to respond aggressively or is it going to respond by cowering and backing down when it's challenged? Then we don't know that, yeah. know that right? Then that will be the thing because most of us will avoid any situation that puts a dog in that state. And because yes, we're a little bit concerned of what might happen next. We are. But we so, don't want to admit it to ourselves or our trainers. So then we'll go, oh, um, it was my fault because... It needed to have, it was really comfortable. And it always go to an emotion. We always go through it. It's my fault because, and we excuse it. So recently, the the dog that ate someone's finger off, the the, um, outcome was, it got afraid, it was scared of this thing. And then a week later, it did some more things (laughs) that ended up having it destroyed. But um, that's all we can do. We pattern match to emotion. We don't think about, well, how has the dog got to the state where it's able to make that conclusion for itself? So when we say it depends, as in, what do I do when my dog's growling at me on the couch? It depends. Yep. What have you done in the past? What have you tried? What's the nature of your dog? What sort of responses have you had in the past? So let's talk about nature. When I look at a dog, yes, I was thinking about this other day. Um, someone came from quite far away to win dog for me to assess because they were convinced that it was a special kind of dog. Everyone's convinced that it's a special kind of dog and it doesn't fit the, the normal narrative. And it needs to, they need to speak to me and not anybody, none of my trainers, because no more. And actually, within three seconds of it getting out of the car, I was able to assess that dog. Yeah. Now, most trainers listening will go, what, that's kind of, no. I could tell. I wasn't even looking at the dog, I was looking at them. I instructed by the handling skills. thing. And I was looking at, um, like, within three seconds. And actually, I tell you what, what else happened in three seconds? Um, they, we talked about this before, with the dating thing. Do you remember when we can assess somebody and how they... Their, so that's, that's the themselves? principle of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's blink, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we all form a initial impression within the blink of an eye, essentially. In the first few seconds, yes. we will have all done all sorts of subconscious pattern matching you know that when they study face shapes they you know they do studies of which one is the most attractive press the button all this sort of stuff it's all based on face shapes and it's all based on very primitive caveman kind of principles so we're doing this without realizing it we're matching to our own preconceived ideas you know uh, we might notice somebody's hair if we're focused on hair or their size if we're focused on size all sorts of things we'll do all of this automatically will always happen and if you're good at your job, whatever job you're in, you'll be able to uh, assess things very quickly. You will. And also things slow down. So there's been um, a bit of research with sports where um, 
kind of thing that I need to be reading up before I say things like this in the podcast. I'm trying to remember what the research was. It was about um, slowing things down when you're in that, like, alpha waves. Yeah. So that you're able to see precise things that happen. So, for example, um, if I'm watching a some dog body language I'll see something that somebody else won't see and I'll play it back to them on a video and they'll go oh yeah I'll see the blink I'll see the ear flip so I have a slightly different take on what that might be about and it might not be true neither might be true which is um, when I talk about this this blink this kind of concept of that first few seconds I think most of us are not in tune to that. Most of us are not aware that we're doing that. But you are in your own job. You are, and this is my point, this is what my take is, right? Because I think you are, what we might call intuition with you, is experience at listening and hearing those first things, actually zooming in on them and focusing on them. Because you've taught me that with words. So when people speak now, I'm picking out the words that they're using whereas I didn't before yes because I'm, I'm wanting to know how they think what what their um, appreciation of the world is so for example if they say things like um, if, they, if they talk about visual things or if they talk about hearing things or touching things or emotional things or yeah. if they're more questioning so I'm picking out now and I'm trying to put that back at them yes and I'm teaching Willow to do that too so that we, <laughs> cool. yeah so that we can um, speak their language to them because yes. everyone's got a different way of sense all the sensory type things and, and that's why I mean by awareness because you might have done that naturally and kind of almost instinctively responded by matching. No, I know you didn't on this particular one, but in your specific, in your job that you're used to, you might get in the habit of spotting those things, recognizing patterns, and trusting your instinct on what the patterns are you see rather than reacting for somebody to say something. just programming of in this context yeah in this previous learned patterns yes so uh, you know it's just computation literally just going back and going that means that that means that based on what I've learned previously so your intuition is just that and it can be wrong right absolutely so you could be really rubbish at what you do and have learned through repeated patterns to be really rubbish and you trust yourself because this is what you've always done but you're not self-aware enough to realise it doesn't work I'm using the generic you in most of this conversation and you're taking it as the personal you which is really interesting we need to sit and talk about that (laughs) that's a sidebar for a different podcast personal stuff Jess's ego that would be a good podcast okay so I haven't got enough space on a podcast for that wow rude (laughs) Um, so people are going to want to know what do they do keep saying that yes okay you get told at the end (laughs) watch the space so we've had um avoidance and the consequences of avoidance we've talked have we talked enough about punishment and the consequences of punishment we have and and i think that part of the um you what do you do is we we talked about the status quo and and what we're looking at for me when you talk about nature you've mentioned nature what's the nature of the dog when i do the three second thing and i check the dog out and also the relationship with the handler, not just the dog. So that would be different for me if the dog was in a kennel compared to the dog coming out of the car. So for me, yeah. I can tell, generally speaking, when someone comes out within a few seconds of um, so body language. This for me is the interesting bigger picture, the zoom out, right? So um, when somebody's talking to me about something that's going on right now, one of the things I'm talking about is, okay, so that's going on right now, but what does that actually mean in the bigger picture? So for me, I'm always almost zooming out 
to go, okay, what's the context of this? Yes. What happened before? What's yeah. happening afterwards? And, you know, when people say, what will happen if? It's like, I don't know what will happen if. But if I look at the yeah, patterns absolutely. and the big picture... I agree with you. So my, my recent one is um, the, the visa that um, I've just had for a few weeks. He came up for, for a long journey. And you know, his owner's really worried about him. You know, stuff's happened in, in the family. And they're worried about whether they can take him back home and stuff. And within seconds I'm seeing what I saw yeah. I'm seeing stress I'm going yep I, I have no doubt in my mind that that dog would do certain things you know yeah. and people that have met him over the last two weeks and how jovial he is and so on that's every dog has potential yes that's one of our critical pillars that we're talking about potential for behaviour because yes. um, there's something bad in everybody so we can talk about good and evil yeah. and, and the philosophy of what that even means. But there's good and bad. So I've got the potential to murder. I've got the potential to be Mother Teresa. Everybody does, yeah? Okay. Given the right situation. I love that it's Mother Teresa versus murder. <laughs> well, it's the opposite, right? Black yeah. and white. Okay. Spectrum. Okay. What? <laughs> do you need to therapise me? Is, no, no, is, no, is your fine. brain going, why did she do that? Okay. So. You carry on talking. I'll just, I'll just work <laughs> through it. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, the, yeah, I'm, I'm anyway. seeing lots of potential. So, and it's behaviour so potential, I'm right? not judging the dog. No. On, I'm, and what I'm doing is I'm going, I'm seeing this situation and I'm seeing what dog is likely to behave like, like yeah. any dog, when it's under that... When yeah, it's so what's the, the situation? <laughs> so what's the environment, right? So the environment is the owner's. The environment is coming out of its car into a new, different space. Yeah. The environment is your dogs that are around it. So I'm looking for um, head carriage. I'm looking for um, how it moves. I'm looking for its weight. I'm looking for how much attention it gives its owner. I'm looking for the lead pressure. I'm looking for what the owner's uh, body language is like, how much the owner is pulling the dog back. You know, there's so many little things uh, that, that say to me, yep, yeah, that's fine. But that's not the character. I don't know the dog's character no. until it's lived with me for a few weeks and yep. I can go in different situations. How do you behave? Absolutely. What do you do like when I do this and when I push this button? And, I... and that's the interesting thing for me. So I'm, I'm um, doing three seconds of an assessment to say, yep, yeah, I know what needs to be done right now to help this dog. But whether the dog... So there's two things that I'm um, learning. I want to know what the dog's nature is, what he his um, underlying, and I can't see that in three seconds. No. His underlying behaviour, which is um, his social status. When he came into the world, what chemistry was he given by design or chance, we don't know. Uh, what chemistry was he given that makes him act in a certain way, whether it's confidence or boisterousness or um, controlling resources? What chemistry is making him behave that way? That's his natural status. Yep. And then what status are the humans given to that dog? Because you might have a mismatch. Yeah. And, and I think um, I think what's challenging for clients is that they'll come to me and they'll have, you know, struggled their whole life with stuff and they've got all this stuff going on and they might have, quotes chosen bad relationships and always ended up with the wrong person and things like that. And to them, that's their problem. But to me, that comes from somewhere. And the other thing that's always interesting for me is that somebody's got in touch with me. So if somebody's felt rubbish about themselves their whole life, no self-confidence, no self-esteem, thought they were a useless person, and still is able to pick up the phone and go, I need help. How immense is that? So, if I, you know, like the amount of resilience it takes when you feel absolutely worthless to still go, 
but it's not okay to feel this way. But some, on some level, they must understand that that's not them that's what they've been led to believe exactly so it's behavior it's environment it's situation and circumstances because underneath all of that the thing that says give me some help please is their core qualities what they were born with their innate nature as it were that has then been layered on through the years to all their experiences to lead them to a place where they have a certain sense of who they are but that's just stuff so you call that the clay? I call the clay the, the thing that they go through from the point at which they're born to the point at which they are responsible for themselves as adults and the full developed brain. They That's are the moulded and shaped and it's totally outside of their control. It's the situations that they've been put in, the people who've interacted with them, what they've been taught to believe about themselves, but that's what we all think we are. But actually, underneath that is the thing that's always true. You know, even twins who have the same DNA have different personalities. We're born with our personality traits. That's the core. And it's that that's underlying all the years so and all stuff. what's fascinating is that people that are close, married, children, family, might not necessarily know the core. No. Owners might not know the innate nature of their dog. They might. They only know what the dog is exhibiting because of the environment it's in. And it's very, it's not uncommon that once you've seen your dog behave in a different way, you kind of really don't, cannot like them. You know, you love your dog because you've had it since it was a puppy and you remember that one that you, and, and you're just like, I can't stand being around my dog. I, I just don't, you know, it does this. It, and then you get in that pattern matching of everything it does is wrong. And then the dog's like, everything I do is wrong. And it reacts. And you end up with this really un Conflict. unpleasant Conflict. relationship with your dog. And your dog has an unpleasant relationship with you because you lose sight of the fact that actually your dog is still there. It's just behaving. And again, that's what you're looking for. And that's what you... You know, when you bring a dog into your residential, you kind of strip it back so it gets to be pure dog. You know, it doesn't have any expectations put on it. It kind of joins in with your pack of dogs. It gets none of that environmental factor and judgment and emotional stuff is put on it. You just get to see what dog you've got left. And then you can build back up again from what you've got. And it's very hard for people to do that. It's very hard for people to unsee something, right? So once they've seen a dog react a certain way, they're going to be always on edge about the dog reacting that way. Well, that just comes from inexperience. So if a dog growled at me on the couch, my experience sums up already. I, I would have a, an opinion of that dog because when I meet your dog, I might take a step into it and see how it behaves. Yes. Or take a step back and see how it behaves. Does it come to me? Is it curious or is it cautious? And um, does it stare at me? So um, I'm assessing what his. I love the faces you pulled for each round of those. That was really good fun. <laughs> you can't see it on the podcast, so I'm happy to narrate it because it was really. You're, you're curious. You're, does it stare at me? That was a good one. <laughs> Thank you, Dawn. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. Don't mind me. I'm just like, you know. So um, I'm I'm learning who the parent... And this is why we had talks before. We had podcasts on the date thing, whereas, like, you know, I'm really good on dates because I'm, I'm able to suss somebody's body language out and then move with that. Yeah. But if they're not self-aware enough, they don't know what I'm doing. So they have a great time. <laughs> Because it's very easy to make it about them. Right? Well, that, that's the thing, right? I'm taking myself out of that cycle now, so I'm no longer manipulating humans. I'm going to be on my own forever. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, anyway, so yes, it's um, once you know this stuff, 
you can't kind of unknow it either. So, um, so I don't see people. Doesn't make it very easy for owners though that are like, well, what do I do? Yes, because everybody needs ABCs. We Every need we need to be experienced before we can handle it. But why are we getting ourselves into situations where we're not experienced? Why are we driving the Ferrari without having any lessons? Yes. I'm really having a problem with dogs being Ferraris and lessons being the thing that makes you a good driver. Okay, so Mali would be a Ferrari. Would he? Yeah, he's like the Ferrari of the dog world. Okay. okay. So the Mali is I'm Ferrari. just thinking, you know, Ferrari we know owner I'm a really practical the... person. Uh-huh. You're so driving I'm a like, dog now. Are no, I'm just, no, I'm just finding it really hard to get into the Ferrari because they're really low down and they're not very good cars. <laughs> you don't have to be driving the Ferrari. Okay, good. Fine. Good. You bought a lamb as an inexperienced driver. I bought a lamb. A, la a Labrador. You okay. told us. A lab you bought a Labrador. I did. Before you knew me, you bought a Labrador. I did. So you bought the... Ford. 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 I bought a Ford. I was going to say Skoda, but Ford is fine. A lab is not a Skoda. <laughs> I very dare you. I'm so sorry, Labrador owners. A reliable Ford. You bought the reliable I Ford. I did. I bought a reliable Ford. You still managed to not drive it very well. But you didn't have a license. Right, so you had no driving instruction whatsoever. You just got into it and wrapped it around a lamppost. No, I read the highway code. Did you? I read everything I could read, but we know what's out there. So I read everything we could read. My husband studied YouTube videos of how to do everything. Okay. We tried to do it. It didn't work very well because I did it really badly. Now I know that, really. You know, and I was really lucky that my, my lab happened to be just a very good-natured dog that didn't react badly to me being a very bad owner. And, yeah, and then it went to a very nice home and it got to be exactly what it was designed to be. It was a gun dog. Because I recognise that there's no point having a car if I can't drive it. Aren't you glad you didn't buy Ferrari? I'm really glad. <laughs> so I put, I put out a Facebook post saying, does anybody know any German Shepherds, Huskies or Labs available? Because we're looking for a dog. What would Husky be? Something can go through snow. I'm like a Jeep. Oh, Jeep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Husky's a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> we might have gone off slightly tangent. Where were we going with this? No, but now I'm thinking about a Dachshund. It's like a mini. Yeah, but Dachshunds are definitely a mini. I was well, thinking more of a Fiat. No. Fun. You don't really get them very much anymore. I'm like, mini's better. You do get a lot of minis now. <laughs> but who's the MG? You know the little MG sports cars that are not like really powered, but... Like a beagle or something. <laughs> I was going to say Corgi. Corgi or a beagle. <laughs> no, it's Derek. <laughs> Ooh, a Pomeranian would be like, uh, what was that little gold car that I had that was a convertible? What was that that I had? That you had? Yeah, a little... Um, How am I supposed to know? Did you not know me then? I had a little convertible that my caller used to sit and she just enjoyed the shelf back. My husband had a BMW Z3 and he got it because it had like the Spitfire kind of... God, this damn coat, blanket coat, boat. Um, yeah, it had the like Spitfire wing things on it. You know, like a Spitfire had the fins. And he bought it, it took him ages to buy a car and he bought this, he absolutely loved it. And it was kind of gold bronze and it had a really nice interior and he used to drive it like down the M25 every day with his music blaring and he absolutely loved it. And I wrote it off. Oh no. I was driving to Edinburgh Airport at four o'clock in the morning. Even though you read the highway code, don't you? Even though I read the highway code. I was driving down to Edinburgh Airport, four o'clock in the morning, car span, landed on the central reservation and got written off. Anyway, and then I phoned, I phoned, I phoned my husband to tell him and I got a wrong number. 
Four o'clock in the morning. Hi, I've written your car up. Oh, no, not you, sorry. Wrong, wrong number. <laughs> what are the chances? Oh, dear. Anyway, so, um, right, so we're choosing about getting to know our car, buying a better model of car before we buy Being it. Experience just right. knowing what to do, right? So there's not really an easy answer. If you didn't have the knowledge of your, your dog's innate response, um, and you didn't. You didn't. This is. You've got babies crying now. This is just a, a really distracting. We're going to have to find a quieter place. Well, we said Tim Hortons in the future for podcasts and Starbucks for chat. And then here we are in Starbucks recording our podcast. So Stick to your I values. don't know how to help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we can't leave everybody hanging now. So we have to give them a screaming baby conclusion okay. to what they should actually do when their dog growls at them if on the sofa. If your dog has ever growled at you on the sofa and you insist on having it back on the sofa again, you stupid moron, <laughs> <laughs> then at least lead the dog so that you can remove the dog from the couch and displace his ass <laughs> when he's up there. You don't have to correct him, but you need to move him off from there. And if you're worried about him escalating, then he should not be free to be wandering around your house. Get some instruction on how to do that. Yes. And also muscle your dog. So let's say that I am an owner who has found myself in an unexpected situation, having tried to do everything right, having got a dog so I could have my cuddles on the sofa with my dog, and everything had been going perfectly well, but it does seem to have been escalating, and now I find myself in a situation where... you've been kind. Hmm? You've been kind. I'm giving context to something that's a bit more realistic than just what you talked about. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought that was quite realistic. <laughs> Thanks, <Sarah. laughs> Yeah, PA. Say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm stuck with a situation I have a situation my dog has growled at me I'm a little scared because I'm pretty sure if I go and try and drag it off or whatever I'm going to have a problem it's too late I can't muscle train it suddenly and suddenly have a lead on it and suddenly do all these things but now I need to break a pattern and you've just told me that once you've got a pattern we're kind of screwed because patterns are really hard to change so I can't change my pattern so what do I actually do next what can I do from now on to try and stop this behavior being escalating to something ridiculous. So when people sit and do a session with me or my trainers now, so yes. we, we can do a lot of work on Zoom because we're discussing how we can change the status quo in, in the family and how we can get the dog to see us. So um, rather than do, dealing with things in the moment, because that's really useless and futile. Um, and, and everything we do teaches the dog something. Right? Yep. So leaving the couch is going to teach the dog something. Um, throwing a bit of food on the floor to get him to stop is teaching the dog something. So everything that we do is teaching the dog something. And if we're too scared to challenge him, then we have a problem. We know that we have a problem with the status quo. So we need to be changing how the dog sees us. And that's not going to happen through yelling at him or um, as we discussed. And I also don't think it's going to help doing lots of obedience. So obedience has got its place, but it's not really the answer to this. Okay. Um, we, we have to do the long game. So it takes like an hour and a half for me to talk about all the things that we need to do to make sure that we control resources and we are giving ourselves value and so on. Things that we do naturally but we don't mean to do. So in a nutshell, if I was to summarise, <laughs> well, I know because I don't do hour and a half. Don't, don't ignore the growling. But I would also be inclined some... to say make sure you're aware of what the status is, the social status between you and your dog and your dog should be um, following your guidelines about how it is, it shouldn't be setting the rules. 
So anywhere where you think the dog might set the rules, including walking before you into a building, um, being allowed to greet anybody who walks in the door, um, you know, um, being able to have freedom of toys and food and things like that. All these things that the dog actually has total freedom to decide what the heck it wants. When it takes itself to bed, all of these things are all indicators that the dog has a higher social status in your environment than you do, which means you're more likely, if you then try and assert yourself over your dog, to end up with a reaction where it says no. Absolutely. So you and I did a lot of work with the prison this year. Um, and we learned some new stuff about prison. I didn't know about stuff in prison, because I've never been to prison. But we learned from the prisoners um, what real real prison's like. Because the prison that we were in was the end of... Um, yeah, it was, it's to, to get them ready to go out into the community at the end of their sentence. Yeah, and the first of its kind for women in Europe, yeah. in Dundee, which is really exciting. Um, so, but what I learned was that if you are um, convicted and you go to prison, everything is stripped back from you. So um, you get told when to eat, what to wear, when to sleep, when to socialise, when to read, when to put. Everything about your life is, is narrowed down. You don't have any autonomy whatsoever. Yeah. And when people that have been in the system for a long time have been institutionalised to this, it's very hard to go into um, live back in normal life again. Yep. So you don't have anyone telling you how to do this. So sometimes that can be really detrimental because these new pathways are built, these habits are forged. And so this um, end of term, end of sentence um, place is still prison. You can't leave. It was you know, still six yep. for yep. my You can't leave. But it was um, much you had much more freedom. So these women had their own flats. They didn't have any CCTV in the flats. They could have um, people around for like, their other Fellow prisoners, yeah. for, for um, dinner. They had an allowance for the week. They do. They, they get allowance with Tesco's. Tesco's deliver. So they could special choose delivery. what they wanted to eat. Yep. They could cook. They had choice. Had this other day. So and what they, they wear. Absolutely. Yeah, they didn't have the same uh, uniform. So they could go to the gym. They could go to the library. And they were able to freely move out the, the building. They could even socialise with the staff. So it, yeah. was, it was much more, it did feel like a community. The staff were, um, at least when we were there, it didn't seem like a um, prison officer. Sort of hierarchy. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah. yeah, more give and take, cooperative kind yeah. of um, situation. So the more trusted they were, the more they behaved like citizens that were good manners, following etiquette, following the rules, yes. the more autonomy they got. Yes. Which I find there's a parallel between the dogs that I get in that have done a crime like biting a human or attacking other dogs. I call them my little inmates, right? So they, I get a new inmate and it's a bit of a conveyor belt just now. They come in, they have absolute strict rules. Everything is taken from them. Yeah. They live in the crate, they're out training, they're back in the crate. And the more that they um, are trusted by me, the more manners they, they show, yep. the more freedom they get. Yep. They get freedom to mix with my dogs, they get the muzzle off, they get freedom off me. And the more trust that grows, the more the less restrictions they have. Yep. So an answer to should we have the couch van? My dogs are always on the couch. Yep. The moment they ever showed me, and none of them ever have, any of the ones that I've raised from puppy has never ever growled at me on the couch or on the bed. Yep. Isn't that horrific? A dog trainer that can have a dog in a bed. Why do I tell people to take the dog off the couch? Because they get these freedoms when they've proven that they are safe, reliable, abiding yep. by the rules. Yep. They then have these restrictions off them. And then, if at ever any point 
they slip back for whatever reason, the restrictions come in play again. Absolutely. Yeah. So it might surprise a lot of you that have met Tristan, um, and, and obviously we've met a lot of people over the last few months. Um, the people and the trainers and in the residentials we've done, uh, Tristan was muzzled for the first eight months, probably up on walks. He was living in a crate for the first few months. Um, I mean living. He didn't get freedom with my dogs at all. And now if you're on a Zoom with me and you see him by my feet or on the couch, he's living a different life now than he was when he first came into me. Yep. But when he first came into me, my dogs, my little daxes were shaking. I yep. had no idea what I was bringing home. Yeah, yeah. I brought him home muzzled through the house and they, they knew what he was. Yeah. You know, he would have really, really seriously hurt if not killed the dancers. And I just, there was just no room for that. There was, um, you know, there's no room for, let's see what happens. I am absolutely strict on that. Lockdown. And, and you know, we had, we talked on the last po- podcast, we had Percival in here. Um, and his body language is so relaxed. Because this is what's interesting, right? Because as emotional people, we are... Um, Oh, they're going to feel this. It's not fair on them. You know, they're going to feel left out. They're going to feel that we don't care for them. It's it's not fair. Yeah, it's really hard for me to hear, right? Because at that point, Tristan was due to be put to sleep. Yeah. So he had days. Um, and so for me, there's a transition period between the dog he is now and the dog that he was. He was a euthanasia case. Yeah. He's now a friend of a dog who loves everybody. In fact, my builders were building a shed for me. And I took out a couple of other dogs, and he was in the kitchen. He didn't be out like his food. Yep. The back door was open, but I forgot it was just closed over. Yeah. And they went in to get electricity, and I heard him from across the road barking at them. And I went, "Oh shit! This is exactly the situation that you read about." Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so I came out, um, and I, I said, I came back in the house, and I said, "Is everything okay?" And they went, "Oh yeah, yeah. We just went into the electric, and I went, is the dog okay?'" Oh yeah, he's all over us. So it's fine. And I was like, "Oh phew! This is a situation where that was." A mistake, right? I left yeah. him in the kitchen, forgot the builders might come in. Yeah, stupid mistake. But I've got to the point now where this dog is so friendly that a stranger can walk in my house. <laughs> and he's like, Hi, he's such a big doofus. I probably now. shouldn't advertise he's this on uh, probably a doofus. Yeah, no, I think he <laughs> well, firstly, he'll have known that they were here in the garden doing the thing, so it wouldn't have been quite the same situation. But it, it's he is a doofus now, he's just like a hi, 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 hi. That's what I mean by potential. Yeah, there was the potential, we know what he did before, yeah, uh, and what he's done, and there's a potential for everybody to be the best, the version of themselves, and the worst version of themselves, yeah. and it's the environment that creates situation and an awareness of that potential allows you to be sensible right so you are sensible around Tristan you are very deliberate about the choices you make who he interacts with when he interacts and if he's not in a good state or you're not in a good state you'll muzzle him so that he's not going to end up in bad choices and you're like 95% sure probably at this stage that he just would do the doofus thing but and, and then, he has the potential absolutely and management would have failed there so I've never uh, worked on changing all the stuff that I do yep. and I teach my trainers to do if I'd never done that and always just manage so in a situation where he came around he's always just put out of the way yeah, yeah, yeah. and didn't work on any of his social skills whatsoever that's the bit where I've made a mistake I fucked up left the back door unlocked someone's walked in the house yeah that would have been a bite. Yeah, it would have been. And and that's the thing, the difference between obedience as well. He had no instructions. He had no instructions. He had, no to, make inst- he had to make his Absolutely. own choices, that's right? That's a really, really good point. Yeah. And, and so... I don't give a lot of instructions. You don't give a lot of instructions. make your own choices. Yeah. That's a really good point to end our podcast on. Cool. Thank you for listening.